1,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife People, you're tuned in to the MutinyRadio.fm station, and the name of the show is Flat Black Plastic. Good evening. Welcome to Difficult Listening Hour. The spot on your dial for that relentless and impenetrable sound of difficult music. So sit bolt upright in that straight back chair, button that top button, and get set for some difficult music. Ula. came home today and I opened the door with my bare hands and I said hey who tore up all my wallpaper samples who ate all the grapes the ones I was saving and this guy was sitting there and I said, Hey, pal, what's going on here? And he had this smile. And when he smiled, he had these big white teeth. Like luxury hotels on the Florida coastline. And when he closed his mouth, it looked like a big star. And I said to myself, Holy smokes. Looks like some kind of guest-host relationship to me. And I said, Hey, pal, what's going on here anyway? Who are you? And he said, Now, I'm the soul doctor. And you know, language is a virus from outer space. And hearing your name is better than seeing your face. We've got four big clocks, and they're all ticking.
And I said, Oh boy, right again. Let X equal X. You know, it could be you. It's a sky blue sky. Satellites are out tonight. Let X. Zero, 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 zero. 
Stephen Weed was asked by the FBI to come in and answer a few questions. And he said it wasn't like an interrogation room at all. There were no bright lights. But he said they had it set up so that there was an agent on his right and an agent on his left, and that they kept alternating questions so that he had to keep turning his head in order to answer them. And he said, after a few hours of doing this, that no matter what question they asked or what answer he gave, the answer always looked like no. No. Uh-uh. No. In the middle of the 17th century, the only people living in the American colonies were the Indians, a few scattered pilgrims, and lots of British troops. Communication between Britain and the colonies was confused and chaotic. King George told the troops, just pick some kind of headquarters and talk to me from there. I don't care where you put it. The logical choice for the headquarters was Philadelphia, which had a few brick streets and some picturesque supply stores. And nobody has ever been able to figure out why the British troops chose Washington instead, which was basically a few shacks in a swamp. Recently, historians have discovered two facts that might add up to a possible explanation. First, the outskirts of Washington, D.C. lay just a few yards inside the official subtropical zone of the British Empire. Second, all British troops working in subtropical zones throughout the British Empire were paid time and a half.
they're going to put in the freeway and take a left at what's going to be the new sports center and keep going till you hit the place where they're thinking of building that drive-in Stay. 
This is Flat Black Plastic on MutinyRadio.fm. Keep listening, please. This is part of a diary from 1962. We were in the room, and then the coach, he told me to take my shirt off and try on the top of the uniform. And I did that too. And then he told me that it fit perfectly over my body, and he started to rub my body and take it back off me again. And then he said, take off your pants and try on these bottoms. So I took off my blue jeans and threw them across the arm of the chair next to me. And he handed me the shorts and told me that I shouldn't wear any underwear when I tried them on because the fit might not be right. I hesitated a minute. Holy shit, I thought, what the fuck have you gotten yourself into or out of or whatever the fuck was going on? And I was really nervous whether I should punch this guy out or if I should take off my pants and be cool and just try on the shorts and so what if he sees my prick anyway? I'm only 12 years old. I took off my underwear and I was standing there totally naked and Mike's eyes were popping out. And I went to pull off the shorts to see if they fit but he stopped me and he told me that he wanted to take my measurements first and he sort of took my body and leaned it against the wall and began to measure my thighs and my calf muscles, 13 inches by the way. And then the fucker did it. He pressed his palm very softly against my prick and my balls and said that he should measure that now. No more, I thought. I took that motherfucker, and mostly by instinct, I guess, gave him a pretty solid fiver over the back of his neck. Then I got angry. He was down on his knees from that punch and just took him by his face and pushed him so that his head hit on the brass bedpost and then I simply whipped my clothes on again picked up the uniform and made it to the door where he came running after me and told me not to be angry August 7th 1965 tonight we got drunk but not as bad as last night so we went over to some terrible bar and tried to pick something up the guy told us that the, <laughs> the guy told us that the Celia sisters were heading down toward the beach I had gotten a blowjob once from Alice Celia, and a little sister had quite a reputation herself. So Willie and I headed after them. When we caught up to them, we waited about 10 feet behind and watched them duck into an alleyway. They were both stone drunk. When we passed by, we saw them making out with each other all over the concrete. Boy, that really turns me on, Willie said to me. Then he called for Alice, and she came over and said to me, I remember you. You came in my mouth, and it tasted like strawberries. This girl is really fucked up, I thought. She was only 14, too. Her sister was 13. Want to go down to the beach with us? I asked. Okay. On the way over to the beach, Alice pissed right in the street. But I don't want to soil my diary with a description of that. Then some other guys spotted us with them and told some other guys who told some other guys. And I swear before long, the whole fucking town was on the beach waiting for pillow jobs. One guy came up to me and asked what was going on. These two girls, I think, are about to give out an awful lot of blowjobs, I said. Get in line, someone else told him. Willie and I left that fucking scene, got a ball, and went down to the courts in the dark to practice foul shots for the game tomorrow. Just setting up for the great uh, Frank Zappa.
Hiya. How you doing tonight? All right, um, as you know, I'm not the kind of a person that reads books. I've said this before many times. I'm not fond of reading. But I do, I have in the past made exceptions. And uh, one of these exceptions was this part of uh, the book that I'm sure you know called Naked Lunch. And I have received permission to read the part about the talking asshole. So. Before I do, uh, I discussed with Mr. Burroughs before we came out here some of the details that led to the construction of this section of the book. I asked him where he got the idea for this part, and he said that it was derived from the ventriloquist scene in The Dead of Night, if you know that film. And I had a little bit of trouble following that for a moment there until he made it all very clear to me by saying that uh, it was like uh, when you have a ventriloquist dummy and suddenly the dummy starts talking for you. And so with that introduction, I start on page 132 and it goes like this. <clears throat> Did I ever tell you about the man who taught his asshole to talk? His whole abdomen would move up and down, you dig, farting out the words. It was unlike anything I ever heard. This ass talk had a sort of gut frequency. It hit you right down there like you gotta go. <laughs> you know when the old colon gives you the elbow and it feels sort of cold inside? And you know all you have to do is turn loose? Well, this talking hit you right down there. A bubbly, thick, stagnant sound. A sound you could smell. This man worked for a carnival, you dig. And to start with, it was like a novelty ventriloquist act. Real funny, too, at first. He had a number he called the better O. That was a scream, I tell you. I forget most of it, but it was clever, like, oh, I say, are you still down there, old thing? Nah, I had to go relieve myself. After a while, the ass started talking on its own. He would go in without anything prepared, and his ass would ad-lib and toss the gags back at him every time. <laughs> then it developed sort of teeth-like little raspy, incurving hooks and started eating. He thought this was cute at first and built an act around it, but the asshole would eat its way through his pants and start talking on the street, shouting out it wanted equal rights. <laughs> it would get drunk, too and have crying jags, nobody loved it, and, and, wanted to, and it wanted to be kissed, same as any other mouth. Finally, it talked all the time, day and night. You could hear him for blocks screaming at it to shut up, and beating it with his fist and sticking candles up it. But nothing did any good, and the asshole said to him, it's you who will shut up in the end. Not me, because we don't need you around here anymore. I can talk and eat and shit. After that, he began waking up in the morning with a transparent jelly like a tadpole's tail all over his mouth. This jelly was what the scientists call UNDT, undifferentiated tissue, <clears throat> which can grow into any kind of flesh on the human body. He would tear it off his mouth and the pieces would stick to his hands like burning gasoline jelly and grow there, grow anywhere on him. Grow anywhere on him a glob of it fell. 
So finally his mouth sealed over, and the whole head would have amputated spontaneous. Did you know there is a condition occurs in parts of Africa and only among Negroes where the little toe amputates spontaneously? Except for the eyes, you dig? That's the one thing the asshole couldn't do was see. It needed the eyes. But nerve connections were blocked and infiltrated and atrophied so the brain couldn't give orders anymore. It was trapped in the skull, sealed off. For a while, you could see the silent, helpless suffering of the brain behind the eyes. Then finally, the brain must have died because the eyes went out and there was no more feeling in them than a crab's eye on the end of a stalk. One, two, Buckle my shoe. <laughs> an Eskimo Frozen wind began to blow Under my boots and around my toe Frost that bit the ground below A hundred degrees below zero And my mama cried And my mama cried Don't be a naughty Eskimo 
If your money don't go to the show Well, I turned around and I said Oh, oh Well, I turned around and I said Oh, oh Well, I turned around And I said Oh, oh And the northern lights commenced to glow And she said a tear in her eye. Watch out where the huskies go. Don't you eat that yellow snow. Watch Yeah. 
stage queen is rocking and rolling and acting obscene.
said, I'm out of sight. He said, for a nominal service charge, I could reach Nirvana tonight. If I was ready, willing, and able to pay him his regular fee, he would drop all the rest of his pressing affairs and devote his attention to me. But I said, Jiving with that cosmic debris.
people. This is MutinyRadio.fm and the show is a flat black plastic. Please continue to listen. Captain says, put your hands on your head. 
all the writers to read their columns on TV. The writers weren't actors. They did all the wrong things. They squinted into the lights, wore rumpled clothes, and used big words. The signs for the deaf were getting more and more obscure. 
lots of qualifying phrases and uh, awkward pauses. So the producers kept saying, okay, buzzwords only, two syllables, tops.
I wanted you. And I was looking for you. But I couldn't find you. I wanted you. And I was looking for you all day. But I couldn't find you. I couldn't find you. You're walking. And you don't always realize it. But you're always falling. With each step, you fall forward slightly. And then catch yourself from falling. Over and over, you're falling. And then catching yourself from falling. And this is how you can be walking and falling at the same time. been running into such financial trouble lately. It was a lot of some problems with the relay devices between the computers and the robot welders. When a problem develops further up the line, it takes a long time for the computers to tell the robot welders to stop. So the robot welders continue to make these welding motions, dropping hot metal directly onto the conveyor belt, even though there are no cars on the line, building up a series of equidistant blobs of molten steel. It takes several hours for the computers to tell the robot welders to stop, and at the rate of 80 cars per hour, a typical plant is capable of manufacturing approximately 100 of these blobs before the plant can be totally shut down.
had this dream, and in it, I wake up in this small house somewhere in the tropics. It's very hot and humid, and all these names and faces are somehow endlessly moving through me. Not that I see them exactly. I'm not a person in this dream. I'm a place. Yeah, a kind of a, just a place. And I have no eyes, no hands. And all these names and faces just keep, they keep passing through. And there's no, no scale. Just a lot of details. Just a slow accumulation of details. Days. I 
to his flat black plastic broadcasting to you directly live from the sunny mission district in san francisco california Thank you. 
house. Out of sight, yeah. Listen, um, you, are, you not, are you hung up? What does that mean? It was strung up. I can't understand. Out of sight, yeah. Listen, are you hung up? One of these days, I can go Jimmy Carl Black, I'm the Indian of the group. <laughs> What's there to live for? Who needs the peace corps? Think I'll just drop out. I'll go to Frisco, buy a wig, and sleep on Housley's floor. on my own I'll stay a week and get the crabs and take a bus back home I'm really just a phony but forgive me cause I'm stoned Every town must have a place where phony hippies meet Psychedelic dungeons popping up on every street how to get to Hate Street and smoke an awful lot of dope. I will wander around barefoot. I will have a psychedelic gleam in my eye at all times. I will love everyone. I will love the police as they kick the shit out of me on the street. I will sleep. I will go to a house. That's, that's what I will do. I will go to a house where there's a rock and roll band because the groups all live together. And I will join a rock and roll band. I will be their road manager. And I will stay there with them and I will get the crabs, but I won't care. Concentration.
You've been listening to Mutiny Radio. FM. Name of this show is Flat Black Plastic. Keep coming back. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Fellow Americans. He's been sick. I think his wife is going to bring him some chicken soup. defend an unpopular policy every once in a while. And there's this guy from the CIA and he's creeping around Laurel Canyon. Crescent Heights, and there at Pandora's box, we are confronted with a vast quantity of plastic people. Take the day and walk. 